0: So glad that you're here today. Welcome to Palm City. If this is your first time, as my beautiful wife said, girl, you're fine. I'm going to be real honest. (laughs) I couldn't even pay attention. I'm going to be honest with you, but uh, we are glad that you're here. Thanks for joining us or rejoining us. We don't ever want to take for granted that you've been here once or twice or maybe since the very beginning. We love you, and we love you if you're new. We have been in a brand new series over the last couple of weeks that we're calling Uncompromised. How many know culture is always at our door trying to get us to compromise our values, trying to get us to concede our convictions? Now, now we're not like creating an us and them culture. That's not what we're trying to do. Jesus said, be in the world, just don't be of it. So, so we got to be in society and we got to be moving and staying fluid and meeting people and connecting, but we also have to know how to stand for truth. And so we've been in this series kind of diving through. One of the best examples to do it outside of Jesus, of course. In the Old Testament, come on, we're going OT, shout out OT. Okay, what's up, what's up? That is a part of your Bible. Uh, but we've been in the book of Daniel because he, he just, he did it well. And he did it for 75 to 80 years from the time he was probably 15 all the way up into his death around 90, which shows us a couple of things. It can be done and we have the responsibility to do it. Somebody say amen right there. So um, let me set up the historical context if you are new, or just to recap all of us, because in between Sundays, a lot happens, right? Come on, seven days, a lot in, in my life happens. I know it does in yours. So the context of this book of the Bible is God brought the people of God, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Come on, he delivered them out. They still had a little Egypt in them. You know what I'm saying? Reminds me of Snoop Dogg. You can take the hood out of me, but you can't take me, or you take me out of the hood, but you can't take the hood out of me. It was kind of like that for the Israelites, and uh, it, God brought them out, delivered them, but they still had some things to work on, so he journeyed them through a process. Come on, he's a process God, and he journeyed them to what the Bible would call the promised land, which God wants us all to live in a promised land, as Krista said, a spacious place, that yes, it's about going to heaven, but also it's about bringing heaven to earth. God wants that for you. And and, and that's why we're Palm City Church, because the Bible says the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. And we want to see you live a flourishing life, not just when you get to heaven, but here on earth. And so that's the heart of our church. But Daniel, these guys, uh, they they had been brought out of uh, Egypt and on their way to the promised land, and God blessed them. They lived in the, the promise of God's blessing for like 400 years. But how many know sometimes when things are good, you forget the one who made it good? and you fall in love with the blessing instead of the God of the blessing. That's kind of what they did. And like us, I mean, not us, n- none of you, just me. Um, they kind of went their own way and were like, peace out God, I'll call you when I need you. And so they, they kind of abandoned the way of God and God's like, look, I, I love you, but if you do this, you're gonna go back into captivity. And so that's exactly what happened. This dude named King Nebuchadnezzar, last week we called him King Nebi, shout out King Nebi. And, and he, he tried to invade them And take them captive for years, about 20 years. The third time he made an attempt, he was successful. But his father passed away. And so in order to secure the throne and to make sure while he's out trying to gain ground for the kingdom, that he doesn't lose his place in the line, he has to bail just after he takes them captive. But he doesn't leave and go back to Babylon alone. He takes some Hebrew boys with him. His goal was to bring them back, the Bible says, and train them in the language and literature of Babylon which we learned that Babylon is not just geographical, Babylon is spiritual. That The word actually in Genesis 11, the word Babel means confusion. And how many know if there's one word that defines culture today, it's confusion, man. There's a lot going on. So in week one, we talked about that. Okay, since all these things are happening, what do we do? What do we do? Well, we have to know how to respond. And, and we talked about responding like Jesus would. It doesn't mean we hide in our house until we go to heaven. But it also doesn't mean we go out into the world telling everybody what's wrong with them. We have to balance the two. John 1, Jesus said, or the Bible says, Jesus was full of grace and truth. Sometimes some of us are full of one, but not both. But the Bible standard, the Christian standard, is that we would be both full of grace and truth. And so we talked about that when culture shifts, and it has, and it is going to continue. Okay, that's a fact. That's not, that's not up for debate. It has and it will continue. What do we do when it does? We have to respond in truth and grace. That was week one. Week two, we kind of dove into the thought of, okay, what's going on in culture? What's the main culprit? Which we looked at the word Babylon and realized it, it means confusion. But we also realized behind every confused culture is a spirit of pride. When we abandon God and when we think we're God. When we think we know what's best for our lives and we no longer look to the standard of God's word as healthy boundaries that God has established for us to live a rich and flourishing life. We no longer consider that. We now know the best way ourselves. So we abandon it and that's what happens, that that Babylon is not just an empire that's long gone, it's a spirit that still exists today. And I believe it exists in our culture. So we had to identify it, okay, so that we not only know how to respond, but we know the context and the setting of which we respond to. So God brought these Israelites into the promised land. 400 years they lived in God's blessing. It was great. They became captive. Some of the Hebrew boys uh, were taken back to Babylon. I mean, you can imagine a 900-mile journey through the desert into Babylon, which was one of the most wealthiest uh, cities in the world at that time. It was luscious. The Euphrates River kind of ran right through it, so they had one of the ancient seven wonders of the world, the Hanging gardens was there. I mean these boys ha- you can imagine them getting on a little boat on the Euphrates, just singing it's a small small Babylonian world, you know <laughs> they, I mean they was like, "Wow, I like this, this looks good, and that's what culture does. It appeals to our desires, it appeals to our eyes and our heart, and it makes us say, well, maybe I should kind of go this way. My my stuff's kind of dry and chill. This is luscious and green and fun. And so we looked at the lives of these boys and watched them stand firm, not just at the beginning, but all of their life. They stood for God, but they didn't lose influence in the process. And that's the key. Today, we want to look at chapter 3, probably one of the most hallmark stories out of the book of Daniel, the fiery furnace. I believe it's going to show us a lot about what we need to do. But here, here's, a, here's a theme verse for this message today, and it's the, wor- it's, it's the word found in 1 Corinthians that says this, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, but do everything in love. Do you hear the balance that Paul was talking to the Corinthians there? Do you hear the balance of truth and grace? Hey, be on your guard, okay, but stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be bold. You've got to be tenacious in your stance, but do it all in love. I want to look at dads in the room today and say, come on, dad. Stand firm in the faith. I want to look at moms today and school teachers and grandparents and friends and my students. I want to say, come on, don't go the way of culture. I want you to stand firm, dig your heels in. Not to say that I'm not for you, but I, I'm not against you. I, I'm for God. And when I'm for God, look, I, I'm for you too. But you got to know that culture's pulling you away. God doesn't want you to go. So I'm encourage you today to stand firm in your faith. If you hear nothing else, I want to get that deep in your spirit and deep in your heart so that on Monday when you get that email and you're about to ready to blow somebody up. You know, when we get in a fight over this hurricane and we're about to blow somebody up, you know, whatever the case may be throughout your week, I want you to just remember the words of Paul, which are the words of the Holy Spirit to the church today that says, stand firm in the faith, but do everything in love, I looked up that word "stand firm" because it's actually one word, even though it's a phrase in the English. It's the word "stako." I kind of like that. Like, what's up, Staco. Stako. I'm just gonna say that to people this week at lunch. Like, hey, staco. Um, Sorry, I'm a pastor. It's getting weird, but uh, come to church. Uh, stako, stako. Here's what it means. It means to tenaciously endure discouragement, obstacles, and opposition. Ooh, I love that. I love that because guess what? You're gonna have obstacles. You're going to have opposition. There's going to be things that discourage you. Oh, pastor, be more positive. I'm positive. You're going to have discouragement. You're going to have opposition. I'm positive. I've lived long enough to know that I can't change that. But we can change our response to it. And we can stand firm even though things are coming our way. It's not a debate if those things are going to happen. The question today we have to answer is, will I tenaciously endure those obstacles, discouragement, and stand firm? In my faith. Can I go to Get Amen Church? Let's look at the first seven verses of chapter three. I think it's going to help us today. We'll put it on the screen for you note-takers, which is all of you, right? Okay, we're a note-taking church. Check it out. King King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 60 cubits high and 6 cubits wide and set it up on the plain of Dura, that's, that's my best. In the province of Babylon, he then summoned all the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial officials to come to the dedication to the image he had set up. So he called in the big dogs of the day, all the dignitaries. Come on, come on, guys. This is going to be big. We're throwing a party, big celebration, big ceremony. It says, so they all came to the dedication that he had set up, and they stood before this image. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, Nations and peoples of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. Which I want to put a time out there. At first, culture will ask you to do some things, but there will be a day where the ask goes to a command. And it's not just good to stand firm when you're asked to do it, it's good to stand firm even when you're commanded to go against God's law. Look, if it's man's law or God's law, I I want to encourage you, choose God's law. It not only honors God, but you want to be on that side when it all goes down. I'm not speaking fear. I'm not trying to create uh, just people that are fired up and go and rogue. No, 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 none of that. I am just speaking the truth of God's word as the Holy Spirit is helping me so that we will know what to do and that we can live a flourishing life in the meantime. Are you with me? This is what you're commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, And all kinds of music. Brother went out and had a Siberian orchestra, man. He was going big. You must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not, right? The command now has a threat. It doesn't matter your religious preference. This is is now a threat that goes with the command. Whoever does not will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp... And all kinds of music, all the nations and peoples of every language fell down and worshipped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Now it's interesting to me here, uh, just to give you context, it was about a 90 foot high structure and about 9 feet wide. Pretty interesting that, that that thing didn't tip over. I mean, I'm not, I'm not you know, great at math, but I mean, come on, it seems like a little bit of lopsided. But some say it was wooden, laced with gold. Others say, you know, it was all gold. There's different opinions about that. But the point I want to make here, and I underlined the two phrases that kept repeating through those first seven verses. The Bible mentions an image and a sound. Can I tell you today that the way the devil gets into our life and gets into our culture is both through the eye gate and the ear gate. That he's presenting images for your eyes to see. The Bible says the eye is the window to the soul. And that that husbands and and wives and parents and students, we need to first be on guard of anything that we allow into our eyes and our ears. Not always, but a lot of times for men, it's the eyes. And for our ladies, it's the ears. It's not a rule. It it can always change, but that's something we generally see. we got to watch the eye gate and the irrigate and we have to grapple with how much of the secular we allow into our life i'm not your holy spirit you have one okay but you need to grapple with that that is what i will encourage you to do grapple with it put things before the lord hey i know i may can but should i we got to grapple with the image and the sounds that we're given our heart to the bible goes on to say that some guys got mad because daniel and his boys didn't bow I can't imagine how many people were there, but there was definitely four that just kind of stood up, you know. And, and what's interesting is, is, is the Bible meant when they said, I want you to bow, it wasn't like, you know, you hear the sound, get your things ready, and, you know. No, no, the, the, the standard was as soon as you hear a note, you better hit the ground. That, that was the image the Bible gives us. And so you know these guys from chapter 2 that weren't happy that Daniel was getting some favor, li- living in influence they, snitch is going to snitch, man. They came up to King Nebuchadnezzar and was like, um, guess what I saw? Check it out right here in verse 12. It says, But there are some Jews whom you've set over the affairs, emphasis added, of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who paid no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. I think we need to remember today that not everyone that is in our circle is in our corner You you, got to know that today. It's not to judge those, but just because they're rolling with you doesn't mean they've got your back when times hit rough. We got to have godly lives, but godly lives come from having godly friends. It's why we have city groups here, man, because life change doesn't happen just in rows. Like we're together 70, 75 minutes, and then you're off to the races for another six days before we get to hang again so we got to make sure that we're having relationships that text us and pray for us and call us because just because they're in your circle doesn't mean they're in your corner these guys ratted them out but the bible goes on to say they got big mad about it And, and the bible in daniel 13 13 14 3 13 14 says this furious with rage nebuchadnezzar summoned shadrach meshach and Abednego. so these men were brought before the king and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, It is true, is this true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? So, so Nebuchadnezzar liked Daniel and the guys. I mean, he, they, they had some influence, and so he didn't immediately throw them in. To the, the, he was giving them a second chance, which I want to tell you today, it's amazing how we can vocally stand firm in our faith, but when we're called to the carpet, When the rubber meets the road and someone confronts us about our stance, that is the moment where you know if you're really standing or not. It's not, talk is cheap. It's what we do after the vocal declaration of standing firm in our faith that matters most. And so here's what the the guys did in verse 15. Nebuchadnezzar said, I'll give you one more chance. When the music plays, if you fall down and worship the statue, we're good. But if you refuse, you will be thrown into the flaming furnace within the hour. And what God can deliver you out of my hands then? Do you see the constant pressure the enemy is wanting to put on you? He's constantly commanding and threatening. If you don't, you will have no friends. If you go to that new church and you start worshiping and you start falling in love with Jesus, I'm going to give you one more chance. But if I catch you up in that church again... If you start reading that word every day, if I catch you up in there, you're going to be friendless. You're going to be on your own. You think they love you, but them church people, they're crazy. They don't love you. And we have to get through all of that and realize what voice am I listening to? Am I listening to the voice of God and God's people that says, come on, you can do it. It's not going to be easy, but stand firm in your faith. Are you listening to those who don't want the best for your life, who don't want to see you succeed and flourish? Again, just because they're in your circle doesn't mean they're in your corner. Everything I did for the first time was around people that probably weren't in my corner. <laughs> when, I, when I smoked that, when I, when I drank that, when I went there, when I clicked that, right? You probably could say the same. It's that pure pressure that the enemy and our friendships can put on us and, and really change the course of our lives in a negative way. And that's why Gen Z, come on, look at me. If I'm your pastor, or if you don't have one, I'm asking, can I be your pastor today? Can, can I can I create atmospheres and places with a great team where you can go countercultural, where you don't have to go the way of the world, but you can stand firm in your faith, live for Jesus, and change the world for His namesake can I can I see you get rid of the filth and the violence and the way that culture is slowly trying to get you to compromise it's not big compromises they start small and insignificant in, seemingly but over time when you say yes to them the desire grows and before you know it it's an elephant you can no longer do anything with that what you thought you can control now controls you and I'm looking for a generation even more important I believe God is looking for a generation it will say, not so with me. As for me in my house, I will serve the Lord, as Joshua said. And I believe it's you, Gen Z. We're going to support you. We're going to cheer you on. But you're not the generation of tomorrow. You're the generation of today. So stand firm in your faith. Come on, give God praise. But here, here, here's the key to it all. When culture turns up the heat, the church has to turn up the help. That's why we've created Youth Night. It's why we have city groups. It's why we have something called Unplugged, where we're going to get off-site and put our devices aside and worship Jesus, have real conversations with each other so that we can know what God has for our life. And then even better, we can live in it, because we want to be the church that's not silent on the side or, 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 or irrelevant. but We want to stand on God's Word, but we believe we can be influential all at the same time. But it's going to take some things. The first thing it's going to take is courage. When you look at this book of the Bible, you notice these guys stood up and stood out in their courage. I want to go back to chapter 1 of the book in verse 8. And notice I said that the compromises start small. In, in, verse, in chapter 1, the first few verses, Daniel was presented with food, probably very tasty. I'm talking filet mignon. They probably had surf. And, oh, it was probably some delicacies. It was the king's food. And because it went against Jewish custom and because it was against God's law for his people, he said no. Notice, it didn't start with his big stance at the fiery furnace. It started with what seemed insignificant, saying no and honoring God with food. I mean, who's going to know this, right? So he, he made that stance, but in verse 8, here's what the Bible said. Daniel resolved not to defile himself. Resolve. Resolve. Is there anybody in the room today that can make a personal resolution to resolve? To not go the way of culture. One translation said, Daniel made up his mind. I'm asking some people today to make some pre-decision decisions. That you would determine and decide in advance when you're faced with a fiery furnace, who you're standing for and what you believe in. You don't need to wait until the moment to where pressure comes in. And, and may, you know just like the devil with Adam and Eve said, did God really say? Right? We get... Oh, maybe, maybe that isn't the truth. No, no, no. Make your decision today that I'm going to personally resolve to stand firm in the faith. I'm talking about when things are good, that I'm still going to honor the God of the blessing. And I'm not going to put the blessing of God ahead of the God of the blessing. I'm going to stand firm in my faith. It's going to take courage if we do it. Check out verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we are not worried what will happen to us. Do you see these guys? They, they were threatened with death and death by fire. I don't, I don't think I could say I'm not worried. I'm, I'm actually kind of worried about that. <laughs> Can we be real in church today? I, that kind of worries me for those guys, and I even know the end of the story. Hey, guys, man, you, are you sure this isn't going to end well? I've kind of read the, the further chapters. But we can't be worried about us at the expense of being focused on God and what God has for our lives. We have to understand that it takes courage and that here, here's the truth. Courage isn't the absence of fear. I, I, I want to free some people today that courage isn't just the absence of fear. Courage makes a decision to stand firm despite fear. A lot of times courage and fear, they're rolling together. It's just where do you put your focus? Some people say, oh, you planted that church. You're just such a man of faith. And I, I'm trying to live a life of faith. That, but but it, it's scary. Is anybody going to come? And then is anybody going to come back? right and you need to know in a life of faith that courage and fear they're not separate they're usually rolling together you just have to fix your mind on what is true you have to fix your focus on what god says about you in his word and stand firm in the faith stand on his promises because he will help you through it we got to have courage but we also got to have faith it requires faith verse 17 and 18 says if we are thrown into the flaming furnace our God is able to deliver us, and, if, and he will deliver us out of your hand, your majesty. Notice how polite they still were. <laughs> so they weren't like, Meh. They were like, you're, you know, they were still showing honor even though they were standing firm. But if he doesn't, please understand, sir, that even then we will never under any circumstances serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have resurrected, that we have to stand firm. I love that they said our God is able to. Notice they didn't say our God will. That would have been a little bit too presumptuous in, in a role that God hasn't asked us to stand in. How many know obedience is our lane and outcomes is God's lane? They said he is able to. Not sure he will, but I'm certain he can. We need to have that type of faith to where we don't, we don't not only believe in God's ability, but we also don't presume to know what God wants to do in the situation. And it feels uncertain. It can feel some insecure to kind of float in that tension. I know God can. Not sure why he wouldn't. But we'll see what he does. Because his will sometimes isn't our will. I, I, I was thinking about that. And it made me think about the Aaron Tippin So y'all don't know about Aaron Tippen. Sat out in 1991. What up, what up? 32, 31 years ago. Wow. You got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. You remember that? You got you to gotta be your own man, not a puppet on a string uphold your, I can't remember, anyway, yeah, 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 oh, I wrote it down, never compromise what's right, and uphold your family name, you got to stand for something, or you'll fall for anything, come on, everybody, it takes courage, that was a golf clap, thank you, it's pretty embarrassing to do that, but I love you, so I'll do anything to give you God's word, we we, got to know it takes courage, Encourage doesn't mean that fear is not present. Fear may be there, but we got to courageously step out and follow God in an ungodly culture and stand firm in our faith. And we got to know it's going to take faith. And faith isn't just things always working out. Faith is in God's ability to do exceedingly abundantly all above more than we could ask, think or imagine, but at the same time I don't know what he's going to do. That I'm living in that tension of he can, but I'm not sure what he's going to do. Here's what the Bible goes on to say. In Daniel 19 through 25, then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury. Can you imagine? I mean, he's got his dignitaries there. These boys just stood firm in the faith. I'm sure some people overheard it. Now he's feeling the pressure himself, the pressure flipped that he's got to honor the edict he put out to kill anybody who did that. It says he was filled with fury, and his face became dark with anger at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He commanded that the furnace be heated up seven times Hotter than usual and called for some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the fire. So they bound them tight with ropes and threw them into the furnace fully clothed. They wanted them to burn quick. And because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames leaped out and killed the soldiers as they threw them in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego fell down bound In the roaring flames. But suddenly, as he was watching, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we throw three men into the furnace? Yes, they said. We did indeed, your majesty. Well, look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted. I see four men unbound walking around in the fire, and they are even hurt by the flames. And the fourth looks like the son of God. Come on, I took a lap around the, the living room when, when I read that this week. That, 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 that we may not see Jesus in our darkest days, but he's there. Our enemy will see God on our side in our hardest times. And I was just thinking in that moment, I wonder if there's anybody in the room today that you're not out of the fire, you're in the fire. But you still got praise in your mouth that you can give to God. The Old Testament Septuagint, the Greek Old Testament, when reading it, it's extra biblical reading. Said that said one one commentary was that King Nebuchadnezzar thro- watched them throw in, and he assumed that they were burned up so quickly that he turned and walked away until he heard them praising God, and then he turned around to look, and that's when he saw them praising God in the fire. Is there anybody going through a situation that is hot? It's hard. It's hardship that you did not expect, and you think it's going to be the end of you. But I'm telling you, you don't have to just praise at the end of that fiery furnace. You can lift up a little bit of shout of praise. You can open your mouth and, and shout with a voice of triumph, the Bible says, because your God is able. He will deliver you. And like the boy said, even if he don't, we ain't bowing. We're going to stand firm in our faith. Is there anybody in the room that's got that kind of praise today? Come on, put your hands together. And give Jesus some praise. I see four. You know they do that in football. Fourth quarter, like, what's up? We're coming back. We're down 90 points. We're going to do it. You may be down this week. You may be going through some situations. I, I want you to subconsciously and even, even in your walk with your friends that when you're going through something hard this week, I want you to hold up four. I want you to say, hey, it's just me, but there's somebody else with me in this situation. That I'm not alone. I love the Bible says in Psalm 34 that God is close to the brokenhearted. That he helps those who are crushed in spirit. God is always close, but when we are going through the hardest times, not only according to that scripture, but according to this chapter in Daniel, God is always there. Jesus is with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. It takes courage. It takes faith, but you need to know God is on your side. He is with you even in the hardship that you may be going through today. Jesus is with you. I love the part of that verse that says they were unbound walking around in the fire. I think sometimes we can overlook some of those details in Scripture. I don't know about you, but sometimes, especially if it's familiar, I can just turn the page and move to the next part of the, the word. But notice they went inbound, but they got unbound in the fire. I want to speak a word of blessing over somebody that says you may be bound in the fire, but the only problem or the only change that's going to happen is not you're going to be damaged or you're going to be harmed, but God is going to use the fire to burn out the bondages that you've had for a long time, the things that have kept you bound in your family line, addictions, pornography, lust, greed, whatever they are, in Jesus' name, we say the fire is going to burn them off and you're going to be free in Christ because the Bible says it is for freedom. That Christ has set us free. Does anybody receive that today? Come on. I can say it. It can line up with God's word. But you have to act in faith and receive it today. Lord, let, let fiery trials burn off some things in your life that God doesn't want there. The story goes on to say in verse 26. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the open door and the flaming furnace. And yelled, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out, come here. So they stepped out of the fire. Then the princes, governors, captains, and counselors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed. Their coats were unscorched, and they didn't even smell of smoke. Come on, you know your God is good. When you were in the fire and there's no fire on you, baby, nobody can even tell what you've been through. I want to encourage you to live in faith and then understand this last principle we see in the story that your example will inspire others. Can you imagine King Nebuchadnezzar, a pagan god? These boys walk out of the furnace, and how did he address them? Sounds like his tone changed. Oh, servants of the Most High God. Oh, remember me in your prayers. You know, he had 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 sorcerers and all these people, astrologists and all these people who don't just study the stars, but they worship them. That's the line. He had all these people in his court. But none of them had ever come through in a moment like this. But Daniel, standing firm in his faith, did. And we we would be smart to remember today that our example matters. Yeah. That our example doesn't only honor God. And it doesn't only help us go in the way of truth. But it helps others who are struggling to see someone successfully in Jesus' name doing it, and it will bring inspiration in their life. They could be in a seat next to you. Do you believe that somebody that you've been praying for could be somebody you end up praying with? Come on, think about that. What if this time next year someone that you've been praying for is sitting beside you and now praying with you for other peoples because you stood firm in your faith and you lived the life of honoring God in a culture that's shifting, but you said, you know what, I'm going to love well, but I'm not compromising my faith. I'm not compromising the standards that God has laid out for us. I'm going to stand firm in my faith and know that God will use my example to inspire others. When the church loses her voice, culture will lose her conscience. So we have to be vocal in the right settings. We have to preach and teach and stand on the Word of God. It matters. It matters. The Bible talks about this word stand all throughout Scripture from cover to cover. It's very important. Stand, stand, stand over and over. I want to give us, as we close today, In the last few minutes together, I want to give us three things that we can stand in this week and in the coming days. Are you ready for them? Can I share them with you? I'm going to anyway. I just thought I want to be polite like these guys. The first one is I want us to be a praying church. Can we stand in prayer? As a matter of fact, I dub every member of Palm City Church prayer team members. That, That all throughout the week, no matter where you serve at the church, if you do, that you would understand that you can also be a prayer team member. That we're not just trying to create three songs and a message that inspires people, but nothing happens. We want God's help. We want God's presence. We want God's anointing on our side. And so I want to create a culture of prayer, that we see God as, oh, you are fully able, you can do exceedingly, abundantly more than we could ever think, ask, or imagine, and we have the faith and the courage to believe you for things that we don't see how could humanly be done and be possible, but with God, all things are possible. Can we be a praying church? Here's what the word says in Ephesians 6, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the enemy's schemes. Some people are like, well, I don't believe in the devil. I'm sorry, that doesn't make him unreal. I, I, he's real. You don't have to fear him. You serve the God who is undefeated and is matchless in power. He's a defeated foe, but he is trying to create another narrative for your life. And we need to understand that we, ha- we take our stand, not in our own name, but by putting on the armor of God so that we can stand firm against the, the enemy's schemes. Same chapter, two verses later. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that we, when the day of evil comes, and it's here, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm. Hear the voice of the Lord today. Stand firm in your faith. How? Prayer. A man on his face cannot fall from that position. That when I kneel before God, I can stand before man. We have to pray as much as we do anything else. That we can't just go out the door every day in our own strength, with our own agenda. We have to bathe everything in prayer. We have to get wisdom from God. We have to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit saying, this is the way. Walk in it and stand firm in our faith. Number two, stand for my purpose. Did you know the enemy's goal is not to be mean to you. The enemy's goal for your life is to stop you and to crush your potential because he realized that Christ is in you. And if you ever connect with that kind of power, your faith life will go to a whole nother level. So he doesn't try to get you back into his camp because he may never be successful. But if he can keep you from advancing in the camp you're in, if he can keep you from realizing the power you really have, if he can keep you from understanding spiritual authority and that in Jesus' name I can stand firm, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, if he ever lets you catch that, game over. And so he tries to steal your purpose and he lets your mistakes and your sin and your struggle communicate you're disqualified. Strike three, buddy, you're out. God's done with you, and I'm here to tell somebody that's not true, that you can stand firm in your faith, and you can stand firm in your purpose, that God has a specific and a unique purpose for your life, that church was never designed to be one guy who's serving God and the rest of the people are just trying to hang on. No, that we would all find our unique contribution in God's kingdom to build God's church and reach God's people with the life-giving message of Jesus Christ. You have a purpose. I'm encouraging you to stand for it. It's why we've created the growth track here at our church. Honestly, it sounds like a plug, but I am so passionate about you finding your purpose because I can't solve your problems. You're going to get another set in another six days. Your problems are just going to rotate. But if I can help you find purpose in your life, something bigger than your problems, you can realize, oh my gosh, my problems are there, but I serve a big God, and I'm making a difference in my city, I'm making a difference in my family, I'm making a difference in the lives in my community, and God is using me as I stand in prayer, I stand for my purpose. lastly, and maybe more importantly, I want you to stand for God come on look at me in my eyes write that down look at me in my eyes I want you to stand for God doesn't mean we don't love people those who forgive well love well why? because they know how much they need Jesus so anytime I feel prideful in my faith I just remember how much God has forgiven me and still has to and it gives me the grace to love people right where they're at and, and not even judge them that's the grace side But I want you to stand for God. Here's some strong words from Jesus in Matthew 10. Stand up for me against world opinion, and I'll stand up for you before my Father in heaven. The Bible says that God's not standing. In Colossians 3.1, the Bible says that we are seated where Christ is seated, at the right hand of the Father. We should encourage us and change our perspective. That we're not seeing life through this lens we're seeing it from a heavenly perspective because we because of Christ are seated with Christ in heavenly places that we're seated with Christ but there is something that can make Christ get up from his seated position and it's when you stand for him the Bible says in Acts 7 there was a disciple named Stephen and the church was being planted And the persecution was rising. And the attacks were ensuing. But there was a disciple named Stephen that said, even if it costs me everything, even if I lose my job, I lose my position, or I lose my place, I'm standing firm on the word of God. I'm standing firm in my faith. And the Bible says in Acts 7 that they begin to throw stones at him. And and, and they begin to murder him by throwing rocks at him. And how many know after that first one hit, many of us may renege our decision. Whoa, 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 hey, just kidding. No more rocks. But Stephen, under trial and under pain and under persecution, stood firm. And the Bible says, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. I want you to write this down and we'll pray that when I stand for Jesus, Jesus stands for me. Come on, would you bow your head and let's pray together? Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your perfect word. We pray today that this would not be just another service where we go through the motions. We pray today that by your Holy Spirit, we would find new strength in our spirits, a renewal of our heart to stand firm in our faith. God, we're going to stand for prayer. We're going we're to stand for our purpose. And we're going to stand for you today. We're going to give you all the glory for it in the mighty name of Jesus. And if you're here today and you want to stand in prayer and you want to stand for your purpose, but you haven't yet received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You haven't given him the control of your life. Let me say it this way. You haven't surrendered. In other words, you're still calling the shots. You haven't bowed your knee to the only one who's worth it and given him your life fully and completely. There is no condemnation if that's you today, but you need to make a decision. You need to have faith before you can stand firm in it. And I want to lead you in a prayer. It's a decision you can make in a moment. It will cost you everything. You have to change your life and honor God's word. But it is the best decision of your life. You have to take my word for it until you experience it. And take the word that I've lived both. And this is better. If that's you today, I want to lead you in a prayer. It's a prayer of faith but ultimately it's a prayer of surrender. So with every head bowed, if that's you, you want to make that commitment. Maybe you've made it before, you want to make it again. It's been a while. You didn't honor it, but you want to come back today and give Jesus your life. If that's you, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. I want you to slip your hand up really quick. Great, I see Great, real quick, slide it right back down. No one's looking around, this is your moment. God's calling you to stand firm in your faith. And I believe he's going to give you strength right now to do it Pray this prayer If you raised your hand Even if you didn't raise your hand But you want to be included You can Pray something like this Jesus I give you my life I give you my heart I'm going all in Fill me with your spirit Give me a fresh start Give me a new nature Come on now make a, make a, make a turn I'm turning from my old life And I'm turning to you I'm going to follow you the rest of my life. And I will only bow to you, King Jesus. In your name. Everybody amen. said amen. Come on, can we celebrate? Who's ready to stand firm in their faith? Amen.